Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Bless You Boys podcast for Saturday, May the 9th, 2015. I'm your host, Hookslide. Glad to have you along for the next half hour or so as we talk about my favorite subject on the planet, at least during summer, that is. How about those tigers? For our first-time listeners, the Bless You Boys podcast is a feature of the Bless You Boys website. That's SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog. You can find us on the web at www.blessyouboys.com. You can follow us on Twitter at BlessYouBoys. And, of course, like us on Facebook. Just search for Bless You Boys, click the Like button, and you'll get all kinds of great content in your newsfeed. And joining me for today's episode, it's going to be a very special show, my friends. It's our old friend and former podcast co-host, a columnist for the Detroit News, one of the master orchestrators behind the scenes at Bless You Boys. I want to welcome Kurt Menching back to the show. How are you doing, Kurt? Oh, I am doing fine, Al. No, wait. Who is this again? (laughs) Hook slide. Oh yes, I am doing I, fine. Hook slide. I'm, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Are you being held at gunpoint? <laughs> uh, <laughs> possibly. Um, can you see me blink? Um, like no. twice for yes. How's this work? I'm not real familiar and, with this format. <laughs> yes, and, and already we are off the rails. We're like 20 seconds into the show, and I'm completely lost. So. It's, uh, it's great to have you on? back. <laughs> Why did you bring me on? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we call it uh, karmic justice, I think. You must have done something wrong here in the last six months. Uh, but or no, you seriously, did. it's great to have you back on the show. <laughs> yeah, or I did. One of the two. Or maybe one of our listeners did. Uh, oh. Wow, I don't even know where to, where to go after all that. <laughs> let's, baseball. Let's talk I, think, about... I think we're here to talk about baseball. Yes, let's talk Tigers baseball. Let's start... With uh, let's start with Shane Green. Why not? Uh, I'm, I'm feeling in a punchy mood, and uh, you know, let's let's get everybody sort of feeling down and depressed. Uh, the deal with Shane Green is he was just absolutely awesome in his first three starts. He went 23 innings in those first three starts. He only allowed one earned run. He was looking fantastic, and then he was absolutely awful in the next three. He only has managed 11 innings pitched in three starts combined and given up 20. Yes, count them, 20 earned runs. Kurt, who is the real Shane Green? Shane Green is. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's a good place to uh, start. Here's, here's, here's the thing. Um, there was no way that Shane Green was going to come into Detroit from, uh, like, what, 14 starts with the Yankees. There was no way that Shane Green was going to come into Detroit and be, like, a sudden Cy Young Award winner. Uh, you know, he looked good, yeah, yeah. Undoubtedly, he he looked pretty good. The results he was getting were great. You you know that that's true. But 
you couldn't expect that kind of performance to continue for ever. Uh, so, so that's part of it. The other part of it is, you know, one thing in my position at, you know, with SB Nation and being around other baseball bloggers, one thing they said to me after the trade was, you know, be cautious about Shane Green. You know, you you know, you you want to be excited, but just be a little cautious about him. And I, you know, we're I think we're seeing why. You know, his minor league track record wasn't that great. And you go, well, there's there's late bloomers out there. There's always late bloomers. You could have said uh, Doug Fister was a late bloomer when he came over uh, from Seattle. So you you look at Shane Green and you go, he's nothing impressive in the minors. And then he comes and oh, hey, he's pretty good. Maybe he's just a late bloomer. Well, possibly. Maybe not that that you know because like you said we we've seen two extremely different Shane Greens. Um, not like there was any middle ground. You don't go well. He's the guy with one or two earned runs given up, and then maybe you know he has a game with three, and then he has one or two bad games. No, no, this is like two completely different uh, pitchers. I don't think that's going to continue either, though. I, I think what we're going to end up with is. Probably a guy who you, who profiles as a standard fourth starter, you know, a fifth starter, whatever. He's going to be a decent uh, fair number of games. He's going to be off a couple of games. He's going to make the offense have to work to, to win games behind him. But uh, he, he's not awful, but he's, he, he's, he's not going to be this surprise number two starter either. I don't think any time in his career is he ever going to be profiling like that. He's He's a back of the rotation guy. He, you know, he if he keeps the ball down, if he makes some drives into the ground, he's going to get good results. And when he struggles with that, uh, he's going to get lit up. Hmm. Yeah, Kurt, I'm, re- I'm reminded of something that you used to say on the show about the Tigers as a team, and it seems almost applicable to Shane Green as a pitcher, and that is to say that he's not as bad <clears throat> as he looks when he's bad, and he's maybe not as good as he looks when he's good. Is that fair? fair enough to say? Oh yeah, I mean that, that that's completely fair to say, because like I said, he 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 was not going to be able to repeat that uh, that that first three games. There there's no way, and you know maybe maybe you look at it and you you think maybe the opponent might have a little bit to do with it too. Although you 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 could turn that around and say hey, the Twins have been pretty good recently too. So I I mean I don't I don't know. It's, he, I, I can just tell you, I don't expect him to, to to wow us for the entire season with like some, you know, three ERA year. You know, if he if he comes down and it finishes the season with an ERA in the low fours, you know, I think that's a pretty good uh, thing to expect. I mean, like I said, it's important to remember he only had 14 starts in, in the major leagues under his belt before he came to Detroit. So that's not even a full season of, uh, you know. Of starting, that's not even a half a season of starting because you expect about 33 starts in a year. So it's just really hard to to say what exactly we we should expect of him. But he's better than these last three starts. That's for sure, and and we're going to see that. But when you know, I don't know. Immediately would make the most sense because he's been that bad. But I I don't know. He's he he's back of the rotation. What can you say? Yeah, he's he's your fourth, you know, fourth guy in the rotation. I think maybe the, the the thing you really want to get out of a guy like him is just to eat a lot of innings. On the other hand, and kind of shifting gears here, even if you uh, you know, if you have a guy like Shane Green who can eat some innings, when he fails to do that, you have to rely on the bullpen, and the bullpen does not look good. And we saw that on 
uh, Wednesday night in the game against the White Sox, and Brad Osmus certainly caught quite a bit of heat for the way that he handled the bullpen in that game, uh, leaving Jabba Chamberlain in the game maybe a bit too long, uh, long enough to give up four earned runs and end up blowing the game. Uh, kind of recalling what took place in that inning, do you second-guess the way Osmus handled the bullpen? Could he have done it better? Do you agree with what he did? How, how would you have approached that? Well, I mean, you, you have to look at this uh, in two ways. The first way is Brad Osmus is in a tough position because with the quality of the the I mean, the, the quality of the bullpen members behind you know behind him, anything he does has the opportunity to blow up spectacularly in his face. Uh, other than you know his closer, anyone but before his closer has the opportunity to blow up spectacularly in his face which makes for easy second-guessing because it's going to happen, and you go, well, why did he keep Shova in there? Why did he keep Gorsolani in there? Why did he keep, you know, Nesbitt in there? Why did he do this? Why did he... So he's not tough. But on the other hand, I don't think there was a lot of, you know, backseat driving behind thinking that he kept Shova in the game too long. Uh, there, there was worry pretty early on, I think, that – and. After the home run and Joe was still out there, you're just going, you know, what what's up here? What why why hasn't he got anyone onto the mound before it's too late? But uh so I'm yeah, they're they're second guessing. There's definitely um wondering why he, he stuck with Joba. Or another question that I I think is gonna be, you know, a, a popular one is why Joba in the first place? You know, last mm, year. Yeah. yeah. Last year, Joba was pretty good for the first half of the season, pretty bad for the second half of the season. Uh, this year, he just kind of filtered his way into the eighth inning, and you go, you, you're looking at him and you're watching him pitch, and you're going, "This is not going to turn out well." I've been saying, you know, I've been saying for the entire season so far, this is not going to turn out well. When you got like Joba and Ian Crawl you know, stretching out for the eighth inning. Either way, bad things are going to happen. Well, Ian's gone now. Joe is not going to go anywhere, I don't think. But uh, there's no way he should be pitching in the eighth inning. On the other hand, you know, looking at it from Austin's viewpoint, well, what's he got? Uh, Nesbitt? <laughs> so, you know, a, a guy who was right. pitching in Erie last year, and now you're going, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand the ball to this guy who never pitched above double-A before this year, and I'm going to say, hey, you're my setup man. So, uh, I mean, if Osmus did that, I think people would think he was crazy, too. And the first time that Nesbitt couldn't handle it or the second time that Nesbitt couldn't handle it, because that's going to happen to any reliever in baseball, even the best one, uh, you're going to be second-guessing. Going, well, well, why is Osmus giving it to such an inexperienced pitcher? So he's, hmm. he's in a tough position uh, for, for sure there, that he basically needs a starting uh, rotation to go eight innings just to uh, – not have to worry. Yes, and that's what Kyle Lobstein did, you know, during the next game. And I, I kind of thought to myself, as the as the you know the, the, the tragedy was unfolding on Wednesday night, and, and Jabba Chamberlain was getting beat up, and I thought to myself, you know, why why don't you go for the four out save with Joaquin Soria in that situation? Once you realize that Chamberlain's you know he's in trouble, he's already given up the, the tying runs at least. Why leave him out there? Uh, and it certainly seems like. Osmus has learned from that because the next night, the next day, rather, he did exactly that thing. When when Lobstein needed to come out with two outs in the eighth, he went straight to Soria. Uh, is that something you think maybe uh, you know, good sign that Osmus is learning from the mistakes, or is that just sort of a 
That's a one-time thing. You won't see that very often. I don't think you'll see that very often, and I don't think you should see that very often because, you know, a, a player with uh, Soria's injury history who'd hardly gone four out saves in his career, I don't think it's something that you want to suddenly make, you know, see, become a commonplace thing. Uh, I also wonder if part of it was that uh, Joe was just so worn out from throwing so many pitches the day before that he was unavailable. So there was no one else that uh, that Brad would trust the baseball to except for Soria. So it, it could be sort of that. But, I mean, it, it's definitely not something that I, I hope happens very often. You, you hope that they can find somebody who could survive the eighth thing you want is finally get in this closer who might be the best Tigers closer since, like, the 80s, frankly. Uh, you finally get this guy, and the next thing you know, you blow out his arm. Well, Osmus isn't going to look very good if that happens either. I mean, I, I think I think this conversation is telling us one thing, and that thing is it's really hard to be the manager of the Detroit Tigers right now. <laughs> at least at the back end of the games. But, Kurt, the question is, I think, is Jabba Chamberlain just washed up then? I mean, did they did they need to kind of cut ties there, or you, you, do you put him back in those situations and hope he kind of finds that stride that he had at the first part of or the first half of of 2014? Well, every team needs a mop up guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't think I don't think he's your eighth inning one run lead guy. No, I don't think he's your setup man. I don't cut ties with him either, though. I I think you can I, I think you can keep him around and just. Just don't give him the ball in such uh, important situations. And, and if you're going to give him the ball in important situations, well, gosh, I hope you got somebody warming up quickly in the bullpen just in case. Because Joe, he just doesn't look like he's got that great of stuff. But, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's a lot of other options that he's holding back either. That's the problem. You can't go, well, why are they hanging on to, you know, this guy? They got all these great guys in Toledo they can call up. Well, that's just not that. You know, there's there's just a it's a organizationally wide, it's just not a pretty situation. So they might as well stick with what they got for now anyway. Hmm. An it's interesting take. And you know, so we were talking uh, just before the show started about Kyle Lobstein and his role in all of this, the fact that he is filled in admirably. Uh, with Justin Verlander being absent. And, of course, we know that Verlander is coming back at some point, which kind of raises the question of what to do with Kyle Lobstein. Does he end up taking somebody else's place in the rotation? Or is there potential for, you know, some serious bullpen help there by moving Lobstein to the pen? Um, that's a that's a good question. I, I, I think that's going to be one of the more likely scenarios in any case. Just, I, you know, when the question first comes up, when Verlander comes back, who gets bumped out of the rotation? You, you might think, well, Shane Green maybe, the way he's been pitching lately. You know, Alfredo Simon, uh, the way he's been pitching lately. Uh, Kyle Lobstein. Uh, it could be any of those guys, but it seems like the way the, the, the club is run most frequently is, is a guy like Lobstein who's got maybe a little less uh, – a little, I don't want to say a little less experience because it's not like Shane Green has experience either, but I, I think the Tigers are more likely to keep Green around than they are Lobstein. Now, the real question is, why not Alfredo Simon? He's got this pretty good history in the bullpen during his career, so maybe he could uh, solve some problems if you bump him instead, but 
I, I think you really have to get to the point where you're, you're feeling good about Lobstein and the rotation for that, too, because sometimes, I mean, I'm not real impressed with him either. I'm not impressed with Simon right now. I'm not impressed with Green. I'm not impressed with Lobstein. So, like, all three of them are, like, you know, number five starter types. And I know Lobstein's been performing well, and he's been really carrying things while Verlander's gone. But I'm not sure that I buy that he's going to be able to do that for the full season. So, Mm. I could mm. see I could see him in the bullpen too. And you raise a really good point that I hadn't even thought of uh, in terms of you know comparing Kyle Obstein to Shane Green. And I guess I've been thinking because Green pitched last year for the Yankees, uh, you know, as being kind of the more veteran of the two, which may be true to some extent. But if you look at the stats, I guess the the, the fact of the matter is Shane Green only had 14 starts last year. Kyle Obstein had six starts of his own last year. So does that really give Green that much of uh, of an edge? No, no, and, you know, uh, if anything, what gives him an edge is that the Tigers, you know, traded to bring him here. You know, he, he was the guy they targeted, he was the guy they wanted, and he was the guy they went out and made a trade to bring. So I think that would be the, you know, the real edge. It, you know, it's not more than the number of games pitched or anything. But, yeah, I I, I think both of them are inexperienced, like, like you said, but I still think Green has the higher ceiling. I don't think... I don't think you're looking at either of them as having like this super high ceiling or anything, but I think if you're you're just looking at them and comparing, I think Green's got the higher ceiling of the two pitchers. So I, I think he's got mm. the one that you got to stick with. I would probably tend to agree with that, at least today, at least on paper. Uh, well, to wrap up this, <laughs> I'm in an agreeable mood. I'm just t- I'm tired of this week. <laughs> Oh, goodness. But to wrap up this rather morose discussion on the Tigers' bullpen situation, uh, of course, the Tigers made their official move today, and we're recording this actually on on Friday, uh, Friday night, May the 8th, right before the kickoff of the uh, Tigers' Royal Series. The news came out today that uh, Joe Nathan has been officially moved to the 60-day disabled list because we know he's not coming back this year, and that leaves a roster spot open on the 40-man roster. I know how much you like to speculate, Kurt, um, I enjoy speculating. What I'm here for. That's right, and you're never wrong. So, who tell who tell us who uh, who fills that spot on the forty men? Are we sure you're not, Al? <laughs> I'm it sure. It sounds a lot like okay. Well, I, you know, until we turn the podcast into some sort of a video podcast, you're not Al. Because you sure seem like okay. Al today. But. Uh, what, where was it? I don't. I don't have a clue who who's going to be uh, added to the forty man. I think my speculation is that nobody's going to be added to the forty man roster because they don't need to. There's there's truly no need to right now. So, uh, and and their their team and other teams there too that you know that is willing to float with thirty nine in case something comes up because you never know something might if if they if they go well eh, maybe this guy in double A you know. Sure, whatever, but you don't need to do it until you need to do something. But you know, you might find uh, you might find somebody DFA and you want to add them. So why hmm. why fill it if you don't really need to fill it? So I don't I don't have any speculation for who inside the system they would really add because I don't I just don't see a need right now to add anyone. So I don't think they will. Okay, I, I would accept that. I, I I'm kind of curious myself to see if they. Uh, maybe fast track, you know, somebody who's maybe a little bit lower in the system. I, I'm throwing Derek Hill's name out there just as a placeholder. I don't think that'll necessarily be him, but it would be interesting to yeah. see if they end up taking that taking that route. Um, yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. 
Yeah, he's in Grand Rapids, so he's he's a ways away. Well, it's stranger things have happened, right? We saw Buck Farmer go right from Grand Rapids straight to Detroit last year when they needed the spot start. So it's you know it's not out of the question, but I, I oh, tend to agree with you. Eh, two and a half, you know, if, if you if you stop for potty breaks. So. Well, oh, you know, that's more than we wanted to know about you. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's it's out there, and that's what just happened, and I'm not taking it back. So, uh, hey, everyone, hooks like can't drive is. two hours without a potty break. I chooses not to. I could if I wanted to, but I just choose not to. Oh my goodness! I got to get this show back on track. Um, uh, I don't know why you had me on. I well, you know, it's been fun. We've got about uh, ten more minutes before uh, the, the pregame, or the I should say the the, the game at uh, Comerica, but the Royals starts. So let's kind of start wrapping this thing up and just talk a little bit about Victor Martinez. His flash line still does not look like the slash line of someone who should be hitting cleanup. He's uh, hitting for 241 average. He is getting on base at a 33% clip, but his slugging is sitting at uh, 299. So it's a guy who can get on base, but he's not hitting a lot, and he's certainly not hitting with a lot of power. Is it time to put him on the disabled list and uh, let him really fully rest those legs? Why don't we just pause for a moment and call uh, managing editor Rob Rojacki and let him respond to that one because I'm sure he has an opinion or two that he has brought to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is no. In fact, no, he does. Yes, yeah, the answer is no. You don't. You don't pick Victor on the, the disabled list because one, you don't need to, uh, and you know I, I thought it was funny that the very day everyone's like, Victor Martinez needs to be on the disabled list. Why isn't Victor on the Mar- Martinez on the disabled list is the day he hits the home run. So, uh, you know, I, I think, no, Victor, I think he's just fine. I mean, not perfectly fine. Uh, reading, you know, reading Rob's uh, mailbag today, what Rob basically said is that um, he just has to play through it. You, you could put him on the disabled list, but it's not going to do him really any good. He has to play through it and just, uh, you know, use use the – use the knee in game situations. There's no other way he's going to get through it except to use the, the, the knee in game situation. Uh, and, and besides that, you know, I think that if, I think if you looked at Victor's split rather than, you know, just his, his all out numbers, I think if you looked at his split, you, you get a completely different picture of him. Cause you know, I, I just pulled him up batting right-handed against left-handed pitching. Uh, you know, he, He's hitting 462 with a 1.170 OPS. You know, so he's batting just fine as a right-hander. When you when you go over to the batting as a left-hander, I think that's when you you start to see the problems with him, and he, yeah, that's where you see the pain too. You know, because that's using the, a different leg to push off during his swing. So and then you see, you know, the batting average is like 148. So that you, that's where the that's where the problem is. So. Um, uh, but getting it back, yeah, he, you know, I think if anything, we just have to suffer through it because, you know, even as Rob said, you, you know, you, you could, you, if you're trying to get low production, you could bat him, you know, right-handed against right-handed pitching, and you'd probably get a better batting average than he's going to get. But is that going to help his knee to get better? Probably not. The only way to help his knee get better is to use it in game situations and bat left-handed. So. uh no, I don't put him on put him on the disabled list. I don't think he needs to be there. Uh, 
maybe he doesn't need to be yeah. fourth in the batting order, but uh, otherwise, no, uh, you know, he's, I think he's going he's yeah, to be fine, uh, and he's shown us. Yeah, cer- certainly an option to consider is, like you said, maybe moving him you know, somewhere else in the batting order for the time being. But, uh, yeah, it's a situation, I think, like you said, and like Rob wrote on the site, and really that question was just a big softball to kind of promote the uh, <laughs> the Bless You Boys website. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's a use-it-or-lose-it situation, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, so he's he's got to use it. And uh, I, I think, you know, thinking about, you know, pushing, pushing it one step further, if you moved him in the lineup, that 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 would be my only real question because I guess you could move Cespedes up from like six to five with JD struggling and out you could move him up to fourth but then he was going to bat fifth and you still got issues but yeah it, it, I think the problem with the Tigers offense right now like, like we stated is you know the cleanup hitter can't hit the number five hitter couldn't hit uh, we weren't seeing the production of the early season and we we saw the Tigers struggling because of it so yeah they they, they got to do something about it uh, hope. Hopefully they just um, face more left-handed pitching soon. <laughs> right, right. And before this conversation devolves into a lengthy rant on lineup construction and the best way to build a lineup, uh, I think we'll start to wrap things up here. Kurt, do you have any last-minute thoughts? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then we'll take it with that. I really uh, it's it's good to have you back on the show. It really is. This, I, I, I've missed this kind of weird banter. <laughs> That's I didn't realize it was weird. It's the only banter I know. Oh, there you go, there you go. Tell Kurt, tell our listeners where they can find you online. I don't want to be stalked. Why would I do that? <laughs> I'm, ser- I'm seriously going to hang up on you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can find me at byb Kurt. Twitter and really that's probably about the only place. Uh, I, I I sometimes do a little tweeting from the Lefty Boys account, but you never really know if it's me or Rob or anyone else really. So I guess you could find me there too. Sometimes I even All write right. for the website. Look for look on the website. My name is there. I wrote an article this week. It's awesome. Hey hey hey, we're getting some production out of you, but uh, I, I really can't talk. So <laughs> I think I've no, you really can't. had two articles. No, I Which can't. Which makes it awkward to have yeah. you as a podcaster if you really can't talk, but we'll get through it. I know, I know. Well, Kurt, thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll come back. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope you're telling the truth. <laughs> of course uh-huh. I <laughs> right. Okay, well, it's, we'll it's been to great later. to be here. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. All right, you too. Oh, you just never know what you're going to get with the great Kurt Menching. But that is going to do it for another episode of the Bless You Boys podcast. Thanks again, Kurt, for stopping by. You can find Kurt at BlessYouBoys.com. You can also find him at the DetroitNews.com. I should say DetroitNews.com. And also on Twitter at BYBKurt. You can follow me on Twitter at HookSlideBYB or get in touch with me at HookSlideBYB at gmail.com. And that's going to do it from the virtual studio in West Michigan. We will see you next Sunday. Not Saturday, but Sunday at 11 with special gra- special guest Chris Iatt, Tigers beat writer from uh, MLive.com. Don't miss it, and we'll see you on the next Fleshy Boys podcast. There's never been a corner like Michigan and Trumbull. Ha, 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 that'll get him out of the old ballpark. <laughs>